biohacking, performance, mastery, mindset, holistic health. This is a show about getting better every single day. I'm on a mission, guys, to help over a million people get healthy and lose weight. Why? Because when you lose weight and get healthy, you have higher self-esteem. You have more self-confidence. And that person goes out and crushes their goals and starts living the highest version of themselves. And then they have way more impact on the world. All right, guys, welcome to the show. I am super blessed today to be, I have Dr. Shira Ackerman on the show. She is the co-founder of Creating Young Minds and the also new best-selling author of the book, Creating Young Minds, and is really responsible for the academic side of that, which we're going to talk about. And she is focused on the youth and the and also the outs, the athletes, not just on what they're doing on the, in the sport, but outside of the classroom as well. And so I'm going to let her kind of talk about her background and how she got into this. But Dr. Dr. Shira, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, super excited. I have your book right here in the background, Creating Young Minds. Amazing, Yay. great, great work. And it's really just what I love about it is it's short and it gives you some crunchy, simple solutions that even as a dad, I can start to implement in my kid's life. So, but I wanted to kind of ask, like, you know, kind of yeah, tell people your background. I know you have a huge background in just behavior analysis and as an educator, and then maybe kind of bring us up to speed of how you got started with creative minds and creative young minds and, and why. Absolutely. So um, I went to I went to school um, and became a teacher. Started off there, and I was a special ed teacher. And I um, then went and got my PhD in applied behavior analysis, and was privileged enough to work with individuals on the autism spectrum. And it was an amazing experience. I learned how to work with kids from ages eighteen months um, all the way through high school. And then I also taught at the um, collegiate level and then graduate school. But I learned how to how to run early intervention programs. And that was it was a lot of fun. And what I took most from that is what I've said to people. And I'm sure you read it in the book. My favorite phrase is behavior is behavior. Right. So it really doesn't matter whether you're um, an infant or you're an adult, whether you're a person or, an, you know, a dog or a cat. Behavior is behavior. And so we can use behavior to figure out everything about how another person or animal learns. Right. So what ended up happening is I played basketball in high school and I played in college and when I lived in Washington state, uh, cause I'm from the East coast and I was running an early intervention program for Northwest autism center. Um, my husband and I met in a basketball tournament, a three on three tournament, in fact, and, uh, the largest one, I think in the country, still the Spokane hoop fest. Wow. And so we, we met that way. He was on the, the West side of the state in Seattle and I was in Spokane on the East side. So, um, we, we got along really well and hit it off. And he was working with a lot of high school guys for basketball. And he had been training them and developing them and helping them get to college. And he had his own travel team. And um, what I started doing was going to the games. And I hadn't been to basketball games, certainly not for younger kids in a long time. And they were just so much fun. And I remembered how much I enjoyed basketball because you're you play as an adult, it's not the same as working with kids. So 
I started working with him and helping him with some of the young men that he was working with. And we ended up having a young man who needed to go to prep school. And for those who don't know, prep school is that additional year. Some go to prep school for more than one year. Um, after you graduate high school or while you're um, a junior or senior to where you can get more development, um, more recruitment. They have it for all sports um, around the country. And also it can help you when you've graduated high school, if you needed more core credits for NCAA eligibility to play um, and get a scholarship. So we had a young man that needed one more class. And so we needed to look into a prep school, but we didn't know much about them. And uh, my husband had another young man he worked with in the Dallas, Texas area. So we sent this new young man there and it wasn't really going the way we thought it should be going. So um, my husband took a few of the high school guys from Washington state and moved into the prep school and thought maybe he can kind of fix it from within. So three weeks after that, he called me and said, we can do this and we can do it better. And I said, we can do what exactly? I love that. <laughs> and he said, we're going to start a prep school. I said, in Texas? He said, yeah. It's like, okay, being from the East Coast, it wasn't exactly where I was trying to land, but I thought, all right, so we need to start a business in Texas. He said, okay. So I figured out how to start a nonprofit in Texas, and I moved them to a different housing situation. The boys were able to stay at the same high school, the charter school. And they started playing games. And this was the end of October, beginning of November of 2011. They came home for the winter break. I moved down in February of 2012. And we've been here ever since. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, what a, I, I love the entrepreneurial spirit, too, of just uh, there's a problem. We need to solve this. <laughs> and then and, and thank God that you graciously went for the ride. So that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, when, when you wrote this book, I, I bought it for myself to read because I have two young boys. I have an eight year old and a five year old, and I'm always looking at ways that I can be a better parent and just, right. you know, it's funny what you just said, behavior is behavior. <laughs> and, uh, guess what? A lot of their behaviors triggers me because of yes. my story and how I was raised. And so I try, I'm always trying my best to recognize that so that I don't overreact or whatever happens. Right. We know that. And so when I got your book, that's kind of what my goal was with is like, Hey, I want to be a better dad. And then how can I influence my kids in a more positive way and shape them by creating these young minds? But when you had that, I mean, that's what I'm taking from it, but who do, who was this book written for? Was it for the average dad or, you know, or average, you know, parent out there or who were, who is this book really geared towards? Well, when I first sat down to, to write it, my goal was for parents, family members and educators. So really um, anybody who's going to work with kids, whatever age group and whether they're athletes or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, the reason it's geared towards athletes as well is because of our program and all the stories have to do with, uh, with a basketball. So it, if you're working with athletes, it's going to relate as well. Um, but you know, the goal is to increase everybody's positive interactions with our youth, you know, whether they're the age of your kids, five and eight, or they're in middle school or high school, or they just started college because our youth are bombarded with things none of us grew up with. And most of it is not positive. 
And, and Dr. So, Shira, just uh, sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, as a former first responder, I take a lot of pride, too, in how my interactions with the youth are to be positive and how can they be more positive? Because I, I under, I'm with you. I completely understand that. And I want to. So all the first responders and everybody, they know that the power, too, that you can have with these young minds. So, yeah, can continue. Yeah, this is for this book for everybody. <laughs> well, and, and that's and you the, the program that that you're in that I'm in, you know, big ideas to bestseller. Jake always says you, you have to narrow it down. Right. But for me, the book really can be applied for almost anybody who wants to read it, um, even the youth themselves. You know, and the, the young men in our program, they all have the book. And, you know, they want they wanted it because their names are in it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea is, you know, you even want the youth to know there are people out here that will help you to have a more positive experience. There really are people who want to mentor you and be a leader that you don't have to figure this all out on your own. You know, so it's, it's good for the youth to read it as well. Um, my daughter, she's a, she's seven and a half. She's an avid reader. And um she's started reading the book. Of course, her her thing, I said, well, you haven't finished it. She said, well, mom, it's boring. And I said, well, I said, honey, you know the people in it. Yeah, I know. I'll read it later. Okay. <laughs> Make a kid's version. Here we go. Well, she, wants great. Me, she wants me to write a series of books that she, like what she reads. I'm like, okay. I don't really write. Okay, sure. We'll figure something out. <laughs> but you know what? I, I want it. people to improve their interactions with, with our youth. And having been in the field of behavior analysis and I did a lot of parent training and, and I loved it. Then I became a parent and I realized just how hard it is to take what you know and do it in your own, in your own situation. So, so true. So it's true. It's not very easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm curious, you know, and, and just on that note, and we'll get into some of the principles in the book, but what do you think then is like the most common mistake that parents, educators, anybody is making? Is there like an overall theme that you just like maybe or even like if you saw me and my kids and you would just cringe if you saw that or like, God, why are people making this mistake? It's so obvious and we just we're just not getting it. Is there anything that you could comes to mind like, man, when I say that? Well, I think and um, I use this as an example all the time is we we are so judgmental with our youth mm. that we decide what's best for them automatically without deciding maybe we're wrong. Right. So I, I tell people, you know, and it's part of it is in the book, you know, you have an infant, a toddler, and we're so excited with everything that they do, right. Everything is amazing and it's unique and it's different. And it tells you about them as a human being and then they go to school and we decide that the school system says what's successful. Mm -hmm. So now if they don't do what everyone else does, they don't come home with a sticker on their paper. Or they don't um, come home with a hundred on their math sheet. Um, then they're not being successful in school, but it's the same child that you got so excited about because they built a tower and it didn't fall down for 30 seconds when they were three, you know, like wow. the, it's the same individual perspective, and, huge. It, you know, we judge them based on everyone else's ideas of success instead of helping them define their own idea of success. And, you know, think about it when you ask your kids what they want to be when they grow up or they tell you just out of the blue, I want to do this when I grow up. And for the most part, we're really excited when they're that age. 
and we want to do anything that they they suggest. Well, that's a great idea. So you buy them whatever it is that has to do with that theme that they want to be. Yeah. Now say they're a teenager and they say the exact same thing. Now we judge. You know, someone says, I want to be an astronaut, right? You go, huh. Uh, it's well, going to be a lot of schooling. You don't have the bones for that. Uh, it's going to cost really a lot like of money. You're not going to want to yeah, do that. I, and we've already decided it's a bad idea. And why can't we reframe how we answer that? They say the same thing. Why not say, okay, so what do we need to do to help you get there? You tell me. What's the first thing we should work on? And then it may not be that they become an astronaut, but you didn't shoot it down. Now they might do something in that field, in that area, or while they're doing that, they find something else. But you would have destroyed it if we stuck with what we typically do and tell them what we think they should or shouldn't do. I love this. Okay, that is that is huge. I mean, I'm I'm taking that in for as a as a parent and as a dad, and uh, I make that mistake all the time. I can tell you though, too. You know, for us, uh, the school system itself, it's a system, mm-hmm. and you know. For better or worse, I'm I'm sure maybe they I don't know if they actually they're trying their best, but let's just say they are. They have the best intentions and they are trying their best. And but you know they treat every kid the same more or less, mm-hmm. right? And I can tell you right now, my eight year old, he is a wild and free kid. And actually, there is a great book called Wild and Free, and it talks about this idea of homeschooling and, and really bringing your kids. They were meant to run around. They were meant to have these ideas, this creativity. And in school, you can't do that. There's rules and you have to be in your seat. And, and my son, he did one year of kindergarten and we had to pull him out because, and we're blessed that we, we are, my wife is able to homeschool him, but uh, he would not survive. I'm telling you, he would not thrive in a, in a structured environment like that. And he is the opposite of like that kind of, you know, he's wild and free. That is, he's got the long hair and, uh, he's just a wild, he's a wild child. Whereas like, you can tell me my hair, I just, we're so opposite. And I find myself just struggling with him sometimes because I'm trying to put my beliefs or mm-hmm. I'm trying to put him in a box that I think is good for success. It's not his definition of success. And I constantly have to remind myself, Oh yeah, yeah. Let his mind be that mind. Let him do what he wants. So I love that. That is such a good reminder for, I think, all of us. So thank you. Absolutely. And we do it with, you know, it. we do it. The school system is set up that way because it's group oriented, right? Everything is based on the group and not the individual. And then you have, you have athletes in sports and the coaching system does the same thing. Unless you have a coach who doesn't put you in a box, regardless of what the sport is, you now can thrive and achieve whatever success you're supposed to, as opposed to, well, my job is to win. And so you're all going to do what I need you to do so that we can win. So I can get another job. I'm not really concerned about you. And it's unfortunate, but that happens in so many sports at all ages, all the way through the professional ranks. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, um, Positive reinforcement. You talk about this in the book and it seems so obvious, but I'm going to tell you in my own personal experience, it's not. And (laughs) I remember going to a parenting seminar because I'm always trying to be a better up level my game as a coach. I mean, as a parent, because that's actually an area that I'm not, you know, I know if you were to rank me at like a 10, I'm like a five, I could be better. And I'm, so I'm trying to be better. And one of the things that the the parenting and she's actually got her name um, is she's got a, huge fan base simply on purpose is her name. 
um, what's her name? Frankie, I think is her name. Really, really great person out of Texas, actually. Okay. Uh, Simply on purpose. That's what she goes by like on Instagram. And I think that's her website. Really, really good stuff. Really good tips for parents. But she said, you need to be going at a ratio of eight to one in terms of positive reinforcement to negative. She said, you are so, parents mostly are so honed in to what their kid's not doing. Yes. 99% of the time, they're actually doing things right. But you don't congratulate them on that. No. That blew my mind and that was right. But yeah, what do you say to that? And and I know you put a huge emphasis on the, the book. There's a whole entire chapter really talking about this positive reinforcement. Well, and she's, she's right, you know, and it, unfortunately what we do as adults, whether we're interacting with our own kids, someone else's kids in a classroom environment, we look for what people do wrong and then we have to correct them. So by correcting them, they got your attention, but the kid who did everything right didn't get any attention. So why are they going to continue to do things right? You know, that's just basic. So in your house, it's a whole lot less obvious than it is in a classroom. Like a teacher, you can train yourself to figure out what you're missing and, and look around and go, okay, so the kids are, I'm going to lose them because they're doing, they're quiet. And, um, but at home, especially if you have multiple kids and then if you have pets and you, you have, you know, a mom and a dad and you've got a bunch of things going on, your child who's sitting and doing something that they're supposed to do, you don't notice because now that means you can go make dinner and you can get the table ready and you can put a load of laundry in and you can get the last email sent before everyone sits down. And because it's quiet, you don't pay attention to the fact that you want that to happen more. And in order for it to happen more, you need to reinforce it. And, you know, I, myself, is it, it's, you have to make an effort. Um, every morning, you know, our, our daughter, she makes her bed, right? And since we moved, her bed's in a different spot. So it's harder for her to make. And she told me when we moved, you know, every morning, mommy, it's hard for me to make my bed. I, okay, give it your best shot. Don't worry about it. And then I noticed she got really good at it. So I'd see it later in the day. And when she'd get home, I would say, you did a really good job making your bed. Oh, I did, you know, because I had to remind myself if I don't tell her she did it right, she's not going to keep doing it. You know, just something so basic, but I make sure I check her bed every day so that I can tell her if she did. I don't worry about if she didn't, but if she did, I definitely tell her she did a great job. So, you know, it, but it's, and this is my field and (laughs) I still have to make the effort because you don't, you don't think about those things you think about, especially as a parent getting things done. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you have a house, you have a business, you have kids, especially with your wife, homeschooling, there's things that have to be done for the day to function for everyone yep. to get from waking up to going to bed. And so you miss the things that make it run smooth. You only notice the things that, that make it rocky. So true. So true. On the other end of the spectrum, you also talk about discipline and how it, it, it's critical to provide that structure for these young minds and these young athletes. How do we do that when, you know, in a positive way, I guess, because I know with my son, you know, like I said, he's very rebellious. And mm-hmm. um, if I ask him to do something, he's going to say his probably inclination is going to be, no, I'm not going to yes. do that. And there's <laughs> going to be all this like, you know, back and forth. And I'm always trying to find that balance between discipline and I don't know if the word is kindness, but really just discipline and flexibility and not allowing my old stories to come up. So what have you seen though, that works really well with some of those young minds and athletes? 
with discipline, you want to try for yourself to change the connotation from negative to positive. Mm. Discipline does not have to be punishment. Punishment is different. Punishment is a form of discipline, but discipline also think of an athlete. You were, you know, a first responder. You had to be disciplined in your approach to your job or you wouldn't have been successful. But that's not the same as punishment. Right. So discipline has a lot to do with structure and consistency and commitment to what you're doing and hard work and following guidelines and structure and rules, but not, you know, don't hit your brother with a spoon, not those kind of rules. You know, it's, it's, this is how we get things done. And your wife has all of this or she wouldn't be doing homeschool. She would be pulling her hair out and it wouldn't work. You have to have some kind of structure, even if it's a loose structure, but it still has that discipline in a positive way. Now, punishment, we know punishment doesn't work in the long term. Um, Everyone resorts to punishment because it's easy and it's fast and it's your emotional response to something. You've you've done something and you've you've made me nuts. And so you're you're not supposed to do that. So then we're going to you're going to lose this. And all that does is extinguish that behavior. But you didn't teach anything. Mm. So nothing new that you want is going to appear the child and the individual will create something new themselves that will likely be worse than the first one because you didn't teach them how to replace it appropriately. So our behavior, we're going to replace the behavior. Mm. So yes, you need to send kids to their room and do all of that. It gives you a break to calm down, but you, you still didn't teach anything. Yeah. So, so whatever it was that got them sent there, they're going to do it again. So there's different So discipline can be used in a positive way to build systems and structure and consistency and teaching your sons how to be disciplined and committed to something they're interested in, even at their age, Mm. whatever it is, if you're going to do it, we're going to do it a hundred percent, you know, and you're going to work hard at it and we're going to learn about it. And, and so now they have that sense of discipline in their lives, not punishment. But when kids don't do things they're supposed to, because they do all the time, um, you know, there's reinforcement systems to set up, you know, that takes a lot more effort on our part. Yeah, um, it really but does. It's definitely more beneficial in the long run. You know, it's going to create something that's going to teach and give you more opportunities to positively reinforce. I yeah. love I love that uh, discipline is a tool to teach, not not to reinforce or to correct a behavior. That is right. that is that is valuable. Good stuff. You're also really big on uh, data, which I find yes. fascinating. As an entrepreneur, that was something I hated to look at and track. Track mm-hmm. your numbers. Track your data. My coach, anytime I would talk to him, was like, "Well, let me see your numbers," and I'm like, "I don't really have them." But- <laughs> Kind of have them, but I don't. I kind of could give you a ballpark number. He's like, well, I can't help you. That's what he would say. He's like, give me those numbers and I could help you. And then from there, we would always work backwards and be like, well, there's your problem. So, (laughs) but how do we do data with our kids? Like, or if you're a coach or you're, you know, again, where you're working with young athletes, how do you like to use data and make it fun for, I guess, everybody? Well, and I tried to, um, cause I, I absolutely love, I love numbers. And so I love data. And so the field of behavior analysis, everything's data-based and classrooms. And so it's, it's very structured. 
But when you get out into the real world, you can't really take data that way, at least not if you're trying to do anything else at the same time. Um, so in the book, I tried to explain how we take data in everything we do. We just don't realize it. And so if we pay attention to it, we could use that information. And, you know, like with the young men in our program, we've had different instances where I've said, okay, you know, we talk to them a lot about social media and how to use it as a tool versus letting it provide so much negativity and, and the ability to really kill your dreams and your goals. Um, and one of the young men, you know, I wrote about him in the book, Katerius, we told him, okay, so this is what um, is happening out there. We don't want you to just believe us. Go find out for yourself, you know. Um, and so he started to look at the content he was seeing and the content his friends were posting about and the people that he followed. And he took informal data. And then he came back and said, you know what? You're right. That's all that I see. And he said, it's across different people, you know, and he said, okay. We said, well, you can change what other people are seeing. You know, you can start to post positive content, you know, use the content from the program about basketball where you're playing or someone else on the team is and make positive comments about it, but share it so that people who see your stuff are now bombarded with positivity versus the other stuff that they're going to see anyway. And, you know, encourage, and he actually did it directly, which I, we thought was really funny and it worked. He put a story up on Instagram and um, one of the posts from the games and something about him and then wrote something along the lines of very directly that, you know, um, if you are a friend of mine, then you will support me and you will repost because it doesn't take much effort to support. And and we wanted to see what happened. And sure enough, there was a divide. He had a whole bunch of people that did it and then people that didn't. And he was like, okay, so we're good. You know, but that was his way of, I said, okay, go figure out what you're really seeing and how then you want to change it. And then you're now, so it's not pen, pencil and paper data anymore yeah. um, because with, with our youth and adolescents and even with adults, we don't want to walk around doing that. No. You know, and you're right for your business. You, you have to type it, you have to do spreadsheets and that nobody likes that. Um, but on a day-to-day -day basis, the informal data is so much easier to do. And you, but you just look at one thing at a time. Cause if you look at too much, you're not going to remember cause you didn't write it down and then you won't know what you're actually trying to accomplish. Um, and so for kids, it's the same thing, you know, um, behavior charts that are fun are a great way for them to start taking their own data. You know, so um, wow. especially, you know, with with your son, you know, everything you ask, the answer is no. Right. And that's very common. So you shift it to what you want him to do and then he can get a sticker or a check mark, whatever he really likes for every time he does it. Not every time he doesn't do it. It's not about losing things. It's about earning something and let yeah. him do it with you, you know, and you carry, you know, even a little like a little notebook around. And because you're not always going to be in the place where you have the chart. Right. And say, OK, so you ask him a question and then his response, you give him the thing and say, OK, so what did you do? And let him either get excited about it or go, well, I still don't want to do it. You know, and say, OK, well, let's move on, you know, so that he gets to be part of it. And then it's fun. And he's now taking data. He doesn't know he's taking data. Yeah.
What what's really fascinating too is I just noticed is you know there's that great book by Dan uh, Doc, uh, Daniel Pink called Drive, and one of the things he says that drives us is autonomy, mm-hmm. and you're putting that ownership and autonomy onto them, and they probably don't even know it. But when you have autonomy over something, there's usually that pat you ownership you will more want to do it. And so I yes. think that's really interesting the way you were describing that. So I like that. You also, um, you talk about untapped potential and beliefs. Yes. And I found it fascinating because I see with all my clients, old limiting beliefs coming up in their health, wealth, whatever. It's always a mindset, a belief that gets in their way that's usually stuck from when they were from zero to seven, probably in the rear of their subconscious and they don't even realize it. But you have this great story about this kid named Sam, I believe, who's autistic. And what I thought was really cool is you, you mentioned that he was in an environment before meeting you that wasn't set for him to thrive. It was like, you're autistic. The vibe I got is like, you're autistic. You'll always be that way. Like, there's nothing we can do. But his mom didn't feel that way. You guys obviously didn't feel that way. And when he got into this new environment, he started to thrive. So, and it also goes back to when we talk about Atomic Habits with uh, James Clear. And I remember he said, one of the fastest ways you can just get someone to be with new habits is just change their environment. So. Talk, can you talk about uh, what have you seen in terms of maybe beliefs or even Sam's story? Maybe we could just share and how, wow, by just shifting the environment, wow, all these old beliefs and these ideas completely got wiped away and he started living his highest version of who he is. Well, and you're absolutely right. We've said it since we started the program because we house our guys, right? So we have a lot of guys that are from outside of Texas um, or even just outside of the DFW area, Dallas area where we are located. And we, prior to COVID, we had a lot of international players. So we've always housed them, which all by itself changes their environment. Yep. And now they're not in the environment with their family. Um, They're not with their friends. They're not with their peers. They're not even with their same um, teachers and, and all of that school administration. The whole thing has shifted. And there's a, a huge benefit to it. What we find out in the beginning is, of course, you know, we've got a lot of young men who haven't learned how to do anything for themselves. They don't know how to don't, clean up. They don't know. I'm, to- I'm still my wife says I'm still trying to learn some of those things. So don't feel bad. <laughs> I just turned 40, guys. So, yeah. Anyways, that's OK. Yeah. They, you know, they don't know how to do their own laundry. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to um, get up on time. They don't have, they don't know how to be independent. Yeah. And so coming to us is more about life skills than basketball. They just didn't see that part. Um, and- you tricked them and you told them we're going <laughs> to teach you basketball, but then in reality you give them life skills and guess what? They become better basketball players. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Imagine you can do all those things where you can actually <laughs> listen on the basketball court too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, the ones, especially the ones that I wrote about, you know, Sam is definitely a great example. There's a, there's a lot, there's James, there's Jordan, that their family was not supportive of their dreams. Right. And only because they didn't think they could do it, you know, not, not for malicious reasons and any of that. They just didn't believe they could accomplish that much like the astronaut. Yeah. I don't really think that's what you can do. Why don't you go do something else? Um, and when we take them out of that environment, it's not like they don't still talk to their parents and they come to the games and all that, but they're not around it 24 seven. Yeah. Now they're an environment with peers of their own right now. They're new peers from the program 
And everyone's goal is the same. They're all trying to accomplish the same thing in different ways. And so now their environment is nothing but positive. And it's hard. It's very hard work. And the guys say it to everybody. And that's why a lot of people don't make it. But they, they learn how to focus on themselves and that we're going to help you achieve it. We're going to push you. We're going to push you really hard. But if this is what you want, we're going to help you get there. And so they don't have that anywhere else. You don't have that environment unless it's been created for you. Most people don't live in an environment like that because yep. everyone just gets too busy. And, you know, you think of your kids and, you know, you, you want them to accomplish the things that you didn't accomplish or you want, okay, well, you're really good at this. So this is what you should do when you get older. And we don't do it on purpose. It just oh. naturally happens. And so now whatever untapped potential, nobody's paying attention. And so you have parents that just, okay, well, you've played long enough. Now you just need to go get a job. Like this, this didn't do anything. Go get a job. And we get yeah. guys like that every day. And they're, you know, from 19 to late 20s. Sorry. <laughs> from 19 to late 20s where their parents have told them, go get a job. This is that, you know, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that's their dream and their goal that they're not getting that support. And a lot of them will just quit. And it's for a lot of things. It's not just sports. You know, you have, you know, youth that really want to do something. And even, you know, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs that are just starting and people say to them all the time, that's a lot of work. I don't think you can do. Do you really have people that can help you? You know, as opposed to switching it and saying, well, that sounds like a great idea. Well, how can I help? Do you want, I'd love to listen to your ideas. You know, you just switching how you respond. Yep. We don't do that. No, we don't. I love that. And just that quick reframe and asking a better question, you probably get a better answer. So that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll kind of wrap things up, but I'm just kind of curious. You actually have this uh, in the book and people can go and get it, but is there like a top, I mean, and you have, what I wanted to ask you is, is there like a top three to five best practices that we can just kind of start maybe implementing right now if we're a dad or a coach or just anybody that's influential with the youth like you are that we can start implementing? You actually give a, a list of probably like 10, but, you know, are there like a top three or five you'd recommend? Like, hey, these are some of the big ones, guys. Go out and do this right now. You can make a huge impact in your community. Absolutely. I would say the first one is to listen. We don't we don't listen to what someone else is actually saying to us. Um, the, the second is being positive. You know, it, every interaction you should try to be positive. You don't have to like what they're saying, but there's a positive way of spinning how you react to it. Mm. Um, and, you know, wanting to really communicate. You know, we have an entire generation that doesn't know how to communicate. They know how to do everything on a device. They don't know how to have a physical conversation with somebody, um, to look someone in the eye and to engage with them. So when we have our youth that want to interact, we need to put things down and teach them how to communicate by showing them, right? So if we don't show them, then they're going to do what we do. And now they're not going to come talk to you because you can't be bothered to talk to them either. Mm. Um, and you know, it's, if we, 
the, one of the phrases that, that I use throughout the book, we use throughout our program, and the boys say it after every practice, every game, commitment, consistency, and discipline. Because if you have those three and you work really hard to achieve that, then anything you do is going to be successful. So if we approach our youth and athletes with those three things in mind, then you're doing it yourself. You're really going to be able to help them accomplish it. I love that. I have to tell you something. With I do a lot of uh, health coaching for metabolic health and weight loss. And when I get on these calls with folks, do you know what they tell me their biggest challenge or barriers? They don't tell me that it's the nutrition or they're not exercising enough. 99% of people tell me commitment and consistency is my biggest problem. Yep. I find that amazing. And here you are reinforcing <laughs> those amazing habits into the youth at an early age. So that's, that's powerful. I love that. Um, I want to wrap things up and go into some lightning round questions if you're good with that. But before I do, and is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I had? No, I think, I think this has been great. A lot of exciting topics. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious, Dr. Ackerman have, was there a choice or was there some choices that you made that you think made you who you are today? Can you, if you think back? Um, well, I think my mom always, you know, I was always pushed to be the best for me, but not the best according to someone else's standards. So for academia, I was very, very intelligent as a kid, but my mom would say, if you came home with a C and that was the best you said you could do, then I'm okay. Mm. So I didn't have that pressure because my mom, my grandparents, it's very intelligent national merit scholar. I mean, like really high standards on that side of the family. So she made sure that I knew I had to be the best, but that my best was not a number. Yeah. And I think that definitely made it so that I wanted to be the best, but it was my own version of that. Love that. Yeah. She gave you like the grace to be, to make mistakes mm -hmm. and, and, and take risk. I think too. I think I, there's a lot of us in the school system. Anyways, I was taught just to get good grades. I was never taught yes. to take risk and entrepreneurship is all about risk and going outside of the box and solving problems. You don't learn any of that in school. I didn't anyways. So no. I, don't think, I don't think most people do. So no, they don't. Next thing you know, you're 40 years old and you don't know how to make a bed like me, I guess. And <laughs> I thank God you're teaching the kids stuff like that. Um, you know, you're doing such positive stuff in the health and wellness world. Um, I'm just curious, who's someone that inspires you? Is there anybody that you follow? Um, when it comes to social media and all of that, to be honest, if we didn't have the business, we wouldn't use it. I agree. I'm with um, you. We, yeah, I think that we, we don't even have cable. We don't watch TV. I mean, like, there's just so much that's out there that's not positive that we just... We do it more on a local level, yeah. I think, is what we focus on. So Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and I got to be careful when I say follow. It doesn't mean, oh, yeah, follow this Instagram influencer. <laughs> I really just meant, is there anybody out there that, you know, it's funny because when I talk to a lot of doctors and PhD researchers, they're like, oh, I'm so steeped in research. I couldn't tell you. And they start naming all these, like, doctors of papers they read. So I'm sure right. similar to you as well. Well, uh, the one thing, the one person I would say that um, – now within the last couple of years, but especially this year that inspires me is my daughter. Mm. And it's because of how she looks at the world and what her expectations are. 
And so, you know, to, to watch her, it pushes me to do things that I might say to her. And then she goes, okay, so when are you doing it? <laughs> oh, I guess I'm going to do that now. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, she keeps me um, wanting to accomplish more things than I probably would if I didn't have someone right next to me saying, okay, so, so when are we doing it? Mm. You know? Yeah. And, you know, she, she wants to write her own book because I wrote a book, you know, and well, how do I do that? I said, well, let's figure out what you want to write about and then let's sit down and do it. So that I think is where my inspiration comes from now. So cool. Love that. I'm a big reader talking about books. I'm a big reader. As you can see all these books behind me, any books that you'd recommend that had a huge impact on your life? Is there like a top one to three? Um, you don't have to give me like three, but some people have like a, a list, but I'm just curious. Um, I would say, one of the books that I just recently read, I wonder if I have it here. Did I put it? I put it somewhere. Um, you know, Thomas Sanchez and the, the big idea to bestseller program. No, her new, her new book. She came out with her book right before mine. Where did I put it? Hold on. Thomas Sanchez. Telma. 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 Okay. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. Own your dance. Awesome. And what I think, you know, it's, I mean, I just, just started reading it. She just put it out right before mine came out is what the topic she brings up and living through her life. It's just, it's amazing to get that kind of inspiration, especially from someone you actually know. And yeah. so that's, that I think is, this is definitely one of my top right now. Love that. Last two questions. We'll wrap it up. Any rituals or hacks or practices that you do kind of on a regular basis? Um, well, with, um, the fact that we have a basketball program means that we, we need to be in shape, right? I mean, I, my husband, that's a totally different breed of in shape. Um, but what I find now is I've always been a runner, right? And I love to run. Um, and I have to, you know, more now it's not about being in shape. It's about, I need that time to just go and think and it, you know, I've been having my daughter go with me sometimes and that's not pleasant. That's not really a run. That's, that's a totally different experience. And she yeah. asked me, she goes, mommy, why do you like this? I don't like this. I said, well, it's relaxing for me, not with you at yeah. the moment, <laughs> but it's relaxing for me. And you know, that is something I know I have to do on a regular basis. I love that. Yep. Have a movement practice. I tell everybody that I don't care if it doesn't need to be whatever you like to do, have a, a movement practice 20 minutes a day. You have to right. awesome stuff. Dr. Shira Ackerman, you know, co-founder of creating young minds and the best-selling author of creating Young minds. <laughs> Where can people find you connect with you and support your mission? Absolutely. So we are um, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, CYM basketball or CYM b-ball. Um, and then on LinkedIn, obviously um, I'm on LinkedIn myself, but we have the business uh, creating young minds on LinkedIn and uh, we have our website, creatingyoungminds.org. Um, if anyone wants to watch the guys play, because we have our own professional basketball league um, that starts October 29th, we have our own uh, network where we live stream everything, which is cymtv.org. Very cool. Awesome stuff. Dr. Chair, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me.